Welcome to Misunderstandings of the Mind podcast, the space where we explore common misunderstandings of how life works, allowing us to gain new perspectives on health, wealth, relationships, and much more. Life doesn't have to be hard work. It can be a flowing collection of experiences if we learn some simple truths about how our experience is created. Through this understanding, we realize that at a fundamental level, we are all already whole and perfect. Okay, hi Michael, welcome to Misunderstandings of the Mind podcast. Thank you very much. Nice to have you here. I'm really looking forward to this conversation about creativity. Um, This came about when we were in LA at your Genius Catalyst event because it definitely opened my mind about creativity. You know, I certainly had a story about that I am not creative. And it stood out to me a few years ago when I was at a Richard Bandler um, NLP training and he said to me that um, people get told they're not creative as a kid and, and then they just go around like a robot going, I am not creative, I am not creative, you know, and that was, that really stuck with me, you know, because I thought, yeah, that's what I've done, you know, and it's kind of like, it didn't help me be creative, you know, but it kind of like, it, it resonated with me in a way that I thought, is that a story? You know, it's kind of like, have I not been creative? And at that time, I just related creativity to art or music you know that was it you know I didn't see it in any other way I think on the journey that I've been on in in Genius Catalyst with you is like seeing where it shows up in so many areas of life you know in different ways so I'd love to just hear from you you know like about this about you know about that about creativity about people you know the source of creativity and and how it flows through people because that's what I've seen to be true you know and 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 yeah, that's what I'd love to hear about. And, and I, I actually would pick up first on what, what uh, Richard Bandler said to you, that th- there's a definition of humility, that humility is being open to the idea that things are other than the way you think they are. So yeah. just being less sure that the way you think the world is, is the way the world is. And most people assume that it's a negative. Yeah, yeah, humble yourself, you know, be open to the idea that you're not as great as you think you are. But most people I meet think they're worthless, think they're not creative, think they're hopeless, think they're just not the kind of person who. And so the way humility actually shows up in most people is opening up to being more as opposed to closing down. And, and creativity is just a, a prime area for that because for whatever reason, the delineation comes early. So we, you know, early on, we, we, we decide we're shy or not shy, creative or not creative, happy or unhappy. You know, at some point, we, we stop going back and forth between sometimes I'm creative and sometimes I don't feel creative. Sometimes I'm shy and sometimes I don't feel shy. Sometimes I'm this, sometimes I don't feel this. At a certain point, we go, one of those is real and the other one is a, a, an odd quirk. One of these is the rule, and every now and again, there'll be an exception to the rule. Instead of seeing that within the range of human experience, we're all everything at some point. Everybody has shy thinking, everybody has 
a lack of that from time to time and is, is very open. Everybody has insecure thinking and everybody has times where they, they're not caught up in that thinking and they're really confident. And everybody has times where they're kind of stuck in a repetitive loop of thought, where they keep looking and seeing the same thing again and again and again. But we also all have times when we're not. And when we're not caught up in a repetitive loop of thought, when we're not caught up in, well, this is just how it is, and this is how it's always been, we are naturally creative. Because the source of creativity is fresh thought. And fresh thought is what comes through the second we stop with the old thought. The second we stop singing the same song, a new song comes along. The second we stop painting the same painting over and over again, this is my life and this is me, a new painting starts to emerge. And that's the nature of creativity. And we, we tend to only count it if it's in a certain field. So, well, if, if that new thought takes the form of a painting, well, then you're creative. If that new thought takes the form of a screenplay, then you're creative. If that new thought takes the form of a business innovation, maybe you still get to call yourself creative. But we don't, we don't recognize that the very fact that we think is creative by nature. We're making stuff up, creating stuff all day long in our minds. That's what thought does. Thought is the Play-Doh of the universe. It is the raw material of all creation. And when you start to see that, you realize, oh my goodness, even if I have never created anything that anyone ever called art, I am creating 24-7. And so when you start to see that that is your default, that is natural, that's natural for all human beings, then what determines whether we call somebody creative or not is the extent to which they make use of that capacity, to the extent to which they are intentional with it instead of inadvertently suffering from it because of, wait for it, a misunderstanding of the mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've really seen that, you know, over the last few months um, doing this training because it's just come out in so many different ways. You know, like uh, I, I was really just fixed in, oh, I can't create anything. Um, even the, I think one of the exercises that we did on the Genius Catalyst was um, a tra was it um, a scavenger hunt, um, and and like when you announced it, the, you know, I just freaked out inside. You know, I just thought, oh my god, I'm going to have to speak to people. It's going to be terrible. Um, oh, oh god, what can I do? I tell you what, I'll just go outside and pretend I couldn't get anything and come back. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty. Like, great. I gotta be honest. That's that's good. Yeah, that was literally what the process that I went through, you know. And then it's like I, I end up teamed up with Rob, you know. And it was like his like, and and I thought, okay, well, he can speak to people, you know. So <laughs> I can just I can just stand next to him, and then, but like it was so revealing, you know. That like, well, actually, hold on a minute. How else could we look at this? These things that we needed to collect, you know. And it was, you know, like. About, well, actually, you know, like red paint was one of them. I'd see there's red paint on the wall on a painting, you know, and just like seeing something outside of the box. And, and just through that experience, just opened my mind so much to, to how many different ways we could see, you know, things and how, how we could create, you know, things that we wanted in the moment. And, and 
you know, leading from there into, um, you know, business ideas and different things in my life. And, and, and just the fact that everything that comes, you know, every challenge that faces me at the moment is kind of like, I, don't, I no longer have that like fear. You know, I don't have that recoiling experience that I had in that moment when you announced the scavenger hunt. It's just kind of like, you know, I sit back and I, and I just get quiet and I just think, well, wait for something to come because I know that there's a different way to look at it than what my conditioned reaction is to things. Well, that what's nice about that is it, it, it's sort of the creative process in a nutshell. You, you, you wait for something to come. Like that is what all artists do. And depending on how insecure you are about whether or not something eventually will come, you either find it really angsty and difficult, and a lot of creative people do, even the very successful ones. It's like, oh, what if I never get another idea? Or you find it kind of fun and exciting, like I wonder what ideas are gonna come next. But either way, whether you do it with the insecurity or without the insecurity, we're all just waiting for something fresh. And the more you know that it is natural for something fresh to come through, it's just the way we're made. When we stop filling up the space with the old, we get the new. Then you don't tend to get as insecure about the waiting period. You don't tend to try and... I, I, I give an example in one of my books of imagine that you're uh, an art broker and somebody comes to you and says, if you can get me an original Picasso, like one that isn't out there already, you know, that's privately owned. I, I'll, I'll give you a million dollars in commission. And you're like, cool, that sounds really fun. And you make some calls and sure enough, you find a painting that some woman left to her grandkids in Amsterdam and, and, and you manage to broker a deal. But there's a condition. The person that you brokered the deal with is really paranoid and says, I'm, you can't send a courier, you can't, I, I will appear at your office on the day to trade the painting for the money. So you just know for the next week, you just have to kind of trust that's going to happen. And so you set it all up in your mind the first few days, like you're thinking about how you're going to spend the money and how cool this is. And, and then as it gets closer and closer to the time, you start going, what if they don't show up? Like, what if I've done all this and put my reputation on the line and they just don't come? You know, maybe on purpose, maybe not on purpose. What if I've been conned? What if, and you start getting really insecure. No matter how insecure you get, I promise you, you are not going to go down in your basement to try and paint your own Picasso just in case. You know, all your, there's no point because the Picasso is worth so much more than your painting would be. Well, it's the same with creative ideas. When we see that what comes from this creative source, what comes from the creative origin is so much richer than what we come up with with our logical heads going, mm, I can put color here and I can put words here and I can do that. We, we stop thinking it would be a good idea to fill in the blanks ourselves. And we are naturally more patient about allowing the blanks to fill up allowing that fresh thought to come to us instead of trying to force the issue uh, with, you know, well, I'll, I'll do it. I'll just do something. And, and it's the opposite of creativity. Creativity is a remarkably feminine uh, activity. There's a, there's a masculine part to it. And I don't mean male, female, I mean, just energetically 
that there, you, you know, there is an outputting part in order for something to be created in the world. But the creative process itself is intrinsically feminine. You know, we are the receptacle. We are the womb. We, we, we sometimes maybe are the midwife where we're kind of nurturing something out into the world. But we, uh, little us, you know, Michael and Jason, we're not the source. We just have access to the source. Yeah, and that's kind of been for me like um, since I since I had that realization, it's been like um, I've, I don't know if I've heard this described this way, but it's almost like starting out at the gym. You know, it's kind of like it's like a muscle that needs to be trained because the more I've trusted in that space, you know, to allow it to come through me, and the more I've I've created shit that I've just thought. You know, like, and, and people have said to me, oh, like, how, where did that, I'm just like, I don't know where it came from. Just came, just one day I was sat there and I thought it'd be a good idea. And then I started creating something and the next thing I created something else and something else. And it's like, next thing I've got this whole load of shit that I've created that's really cool. And I think, where did that come from? You know, and like now, now I look back and I see it and I just think, you know, it's quite magical really, you know, just to see that, that like it does come through me, you know, it's like, it didn't sit, I didn't, didn't come out of me by me, you know, I must create this. I have to create this. I need to create this. It was just a case of just going, well, now's not the time. Now's not the time. Oh, now's the time. You know, it's kind of like, I just, sometimes I wake up like at six o'clock in the morning, like full of energy with, with an idea. And, and I think, where did that come from? You know? Yeah. And, and I think one of the reasons it often comes that way is because that's when we get quiet. We get quiet in the middle of the night. We get quiet at six in the morning. We get, it, 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 for whatever reason, the cares of the day leave us. And into that space, you know, there's that saying, nature abhors a vacuum. But into that space, fresh thought comes. And if we're aiming towards a creative project, that fresh thought will tend to be in, in the direction of that creative project. It, it, the mind in that sense works almost like uh, a laser beam. You know, wherever you aim it, it has to charge up, but then it unleashes in the direction it's being aimed. And, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, there are people who have too many ideas because they keep moving the laser all over the place and they get lots of ideas about lots of things, but they just haven't learned that part of the creative process is getting the idea out of your head and into the world. So while for, for many people who don't think of themselves as creative, the problem is they don't think of themselves as creative. But, but for idea people, and, and there are a lot of them as well, who, who will say, oh, yeah, I got a million ideas, but I just can't seem to make myself. It, it, it becomes psychological. It becomes what's wrong with me that I can't get myself to as if there are two of you and one of you is good and one of you is bad and the good one has to force the bad one to do stuff. And that whole notion of good us, bad us, us who is in charge and us who needs to be taken charge of the kid and the grown up, you know, there's so many models of it in psychology. It's just fundamentally way more complicated than creating. Creating is really simple. You put pen to paper, you put fingers to keyboard, you put uh, idea into conversation, 
and stuff starts to take form in the world. That's why one of my favorite metaphors for it is candle making. So I remember my wife and I going to a candle making thing in a shop in, in Italy. I think it was on our honeymoon actually, but I'm not quite sure. But I, I remember, so they, they start with a wick and wax and they dip the wick in the wax and it comes out and it's got a little bit of wax because there's not much surface area on the wick. But then each time they dip it, there's more surface area. So more of the wax sticks. And then over time, you get the, gu the gubbins, the basics of a candle, which you can then shape and form and, and sculpt. Well, each time we go to the creative well, each time we try and express an idea, each iteration, it gets a little more formed. It gets a little clearer. It gets a little bit easier to see outside of our own head. It gets easier for other people to see it. And then it, it's like a snowball effect where the more it comes into form, the easier it is to work with. But if you don't know, A, it's gonna come from nothing, right? It's gonna come into the empty space. It's gonna come through you, not from you. B, that you just need to start getting it out in order to keep the flow going. If you keep it all in, there's no flow. So the masculine and the feminine work together. You, you gotta receive it, but then you gotta let it out in order for the flow to continue. And that there will be a period where it won't be terribly visible in the world, whether it's the early part of a painting where you can't yet see that it's going to be anything, or it's the early part of a business idea where it, it's just, there's not enough there for anybody, but the vision holder to see. It, it's the same as if you're a gardener, you plant seeds knowing that there's going to be a period of time where there is no evidence that the seed is growing that what you've planted is growing. But because you understand how it works, you don't freak out. You get excited when the first shoots come through the ground, but you don't freak out in the meantime because you know how seeds work. Well, it's the same with our creative ideas. There will be a period of time where it's gonna be invisible. It's still germinating underneath the surface. But if we understand that's how it works, we don't start making up stories about, oh, we're procrastinating or, oh, it's not meant to be or, oh, I'm such a failure. We just know that's part of the process too. And then once it starts to take form, it just needs to be nurtured and shaped and cultivated like anything else. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I think I'm definitely in that phase at the moment. And, um, you know, I've got, I've got this lots of, vision about something and like it's flowing through me and I'm creating stuff and it's like it's got you know it's definitely got energy and it's got motion and but I can't see anything more than the bit that I'm creating you know even though it's potentially life-changing for for a lot of people you know if, if it works out how I see it and it's like, I'm like so sometimes I get to the place where I think oh, I, don't, I don't want to be too invested in this because it may not turn out the way I want it to turn out, you know? And I think that's important as well because like the moment I become like me, Jason me, you know, becomes overly invested in the outcome because it's going to mean that if it's successful, I will be whatever, you know, insert word, successful, seen as successful, more valued, you know, all, all those things that I, that, that I think it's going to make me, you know, then it becomes a different experience. Well, this is why I think the whole notion of that, that you've got to believe in yourself in order to create in the world is, is counterproductive. It's a, it's a massive misunderstanding because 
you're in a weird way. It's nothing to do with you. Like the more you, you put into it, the worse it gets, the more you have to deal with your own psychology, the harder it is, the more self-conscious you are about it, the more of a big deal you make it into in your mind, the harder and harder and heavier and heavier it becomes. Whereas if you just kind of enjoy being a conduit to the creative force, enjoy being the midwife, enjoy bringing babies into the world, it's really cool, but it's kind of nothing to do with you. And so there's a freedom that comes with that. Now, it doesn't mean you don't enjoy it. It doesn't mean you don't love it. I have so many things out in the world that even though I might not do them again the way I did them, I still get excited to see them out in the world. It's the same as my kids. Like there, it, there, there's something so cool about seeing something that didn't used to exist that you were involved in creating, right? You didn't create it, but it, you were a part of the process. And then seeing it take on a life of its own in the world, that's part of the fun of creating as well. But that's all after the fact. That's after the fact of creation. The less of us, the less it feels like it's about us, the less it feels like it means about us, the easier it is to create. Because we don't then worry about all that stuff. And we just pay attention to what is in front of us. You know, what's next? I definitely see that. You know, the more that I allow it just to flow without, you know, I'm not really attached to whether what I'm doing at the moment really you know, works out as I want. I'm, I'm enjoying doing it. You know, it's a, it's a great project. And I think that, you know, that way it's kind of like, I'm pretty sure it will go somewhere because it kind of, it has that sort of energy about it. And the people that I'm speaking to about it, you know, have that sort of feeling about it too. And um, I was wondering about, there's something that, that when you were speaking, I kept thinking about, there seems to be some sort of, for me, I, I'd already seen that, thought creates reality. I'd seen that clearly in my own life and I'd had an experience of like my life getting so much simpler, so much better, so much easier. So like when I had that recoiling reaction to the thought of doing an exercise that was gonna, I guess from your point, spark some seeing of how creativity works. You know, it's like I had to do that exercise. I'd already seen long before, a year before that of how my reality was created, but I still had that belief about creativity about myself. So, like, if people are in that space where they're, they've not seen that, you know, they're just kind of listening and they think that they're not creative, you know, it's kind of like, is there a way for them to, you know, like in order to sort of see where, where their creativity comes out or how their creativity comes out. I mean, do they have to have that experience of seeing how thought creates reality in order to, because it seems to me that there are some people that are creative in the world, you know, and they've not necessarily had an enlightenment experience through the three principles. You know, they just naturally are talented in some way. Well, naturally talented is an interesting idea. I, I, and I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't put myself forward as an expert on this, but yeah. there's a lot of question marks about is, is a natural talent something that is inborn or is it something that just for whatever reason didn't get stifled? You know, they talk about the, the secret to raising happy creative adults is just to not degenius them as children. Yeah. And, and, and so you find a lot of instances of so-called natural talent where somebody just noticed something and then just did more of it 
and it be, then it became expressed. Now they'll say, oh, well, I could spot their natural talent at an early age. And maybe, I, I, I don't know. But I know that the most successful creative people I know here in Hollywood, and very few of them you would, you would have known from the beginning that they were going to be successful. There are a few. There are, there are some who were wunderkinds who just from a very early age were expressing this. There is no connection in my mind, and this kind of gets back to what you were saying, between having an enlightenment experience and being creative. You're, you're creative whether you know it or not. You're creating yourself as not creative. I mean, that's your very first creation. You're creating yourself. That's our first creation. Mm-hmm. Create this idea of who we are. You know, I, had a, I was talking to a, a client and he said, I showed, I told my wife how creative she was the other day. And I went, oh, that, that's nice. And, and he said, yeah, she was making up all sorts of crap about me. <laughs> and so we don't count that as creative. <laughs> but we're, again, we're making stuff up all day long. The difference between somebody who seems to, wow, they create all sorts of stuff in the world, is that they've figured out how to harness that natural ability in at least one area of their life. That's it. It's not different what they're doing to you and I. It's that they, they just, again, whether it's an accident, a happy accident, whether it's they were trained, at some point they went, oh, I can use this natural creative capacity, this natural ability to take an idea and bring it from the formless into form, take it out of my head and into the world. And I can use that in this area. I can use that on the football pitch. I can use that in the art studio. I can use that in the, in the, in the movie studio. I can use that in my business. And, and so they do. But the reason it's so helpful to understand what's going on is because then you start to see, oh, this is not limited to my area. So you get a lot of people who are very creative around art and utterly devoid of creativity around money. So, you know, they'll go, well, money, I don't understand money. That's Well, it's the same thing. It's the same capacity in us that allows us to create art, that allows us to create money. It's understanding, it's understanding the form, the structure, and it's allowing fresh ideas to come through you. That's where everything comes from. Something else I was punching was, it seems that different people, I mean, my, mine is just an area of life that I've been involved in, you know, and it's like, yeah, the creativity flows out in that particular way. But everyone is doing something completely different. What looks right to them or whatever they've been involved in or however it comes out, you know, their, their creative ways, you know, whether it be artistic, business, money, um, products, whatever it is that they're creating. Everyone's just, you know, it just comes to you, whatever your particular, you know, whatever's going to flow through you, you know, in, in life. Or is it open? Is it every area open to all people i guess is what i'm what i'm getting to well in theory every area is open to every person you take anybody plunk them in a situation and say that away 
And if they allow themselves to be there, if they don't fight it, if they don't argue with it, if they don't win the argument that says, I shouldn't be here, I'm not qualified, blah, 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 they will start to get creative ideas in the direction that they are looking and they will begin to thrive. Now, it may take longer for some people in some areas. There are certain fields, though not as many as we think, where there are physical requirements. Most athletic performance requires some degree of physicality. Uh, that that you, I was reading a story uh, yesterday about, there's a book that just came out called Trillion Dollar Coach, which is co-written by the CEO of Google and a couple other people. And it's about this guy, Bill Campbell, who was the sort of Steve Jobs coach and worked with uh, Facebook and worked with Google. And he's, he's sort of, a lot of people credited him with being the, the genius behind the geniuses. And he started out as a football coach, but before that he was a football player. And he was, I think, 5'10", 160. And he played offensive tackle. Like if you know anything about American football, that is a position that normally you would be a minimum of 285, maybe 300 and usually about six, four and up. And, and he led his school to a, to a title and was considered the star of the team as this little, little guy. So it's possible even in sport to transcend the, the norms, but in most fields, there aren't even norms. There really are so few prerequisites. So creativity is just our relationship with the creative force. And if we have a good relationship with it, if we have an intimate relationship with it, then we will be highly creative. And if we don't even know there is a creative force, we won't feel creative at all. And then there's everything in between. So when you used to go, I'm not creative, you didn't have a relationship with the creative force. It was still there. It still came through you, mostly creating limitation and and self-doubt and horror from the sound of it, right? But it was working. But once you became conscious of it, once you started to see it in action, well, then it started working through you more obviously. And then you could work with it more. It became more of a dance and, and, and less of a, you know, grudging thing that occasionally got to come out. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Actually, it feels true, you know, from my own experience. There's a lot of people that use the creative force to create things that they think are going to make them feel better. You know, I see people in, because being around the personal development world for so long, you know, before I found this understanding, you know, people that are, I don't know, all sorts of things, speakers, trainers, doing doing that. But like when you really get down to speaking to them, it's it's all a matter of creating something that they think there's something on the other side of, you know, that like when they get this, when they get that, you know, recognition, value, an amount of money, a certain amount of clients, all that thing, then they will feel, you know, insert word, satisfied, fulfilled, value, you know, whatever it is. It's kind of like, so, but that sounds totally different to what we're talking about. Oh, that is totally different to what, what, what we're talking about. That is a quest to use the world to change your opinion of yourself. And that's a really messed up way of doing it. Because your opinion of yourself is just your opinion of yourself. And it's probably going to change multiple times each day. So the idea that, I, well, I mean, the counter of it is you see so many people 
who get to a level of success, who suddenly have achieved the thing they set out to achieve, and they invariably go, is that it? Or, okay, well, what's next? It just doesn't actually work that way. So you may be very creative in the pursuit of self-worth, but, but creativity doesn't care. Like one of the things I love about in, in, in creating the impossible program and in the book, we do these daily creations where people just, the, the only rule is every day for the course of the program, you create something from nothing. Something exists in the world by the end of the day that did not exist in the world at the beginning of the day. And that act is so telling for the people who do it over time because they start to see, Oh, it's the same process everywhere. It works the same regardless of whether I'm making little figurines out of Play-Doh like my, my daughter does that I have on my desk here or, or writing a book or, or launching a company. It, and, and there are just more moving parts in some of the creations and less in others, but there's no difference. There's no order of difficulty even because each time all you're doing is showing up and responding to this creative force, responding to this fresh thought and then acting on it, bringing it out into the world. And it's that simple. So the motivation in a funny way doesn't matter at all. It just so happens that if the motivation is self-worth, you know, to change my opinion of, of, of myself, it probably won't work. Like I might still create cool stuff, but it's really unlikely to change my opinion of myself. I think I told the story on the, the Genius Catalyst course of, and this was a true story that I had this financial target for my business that was like the big, the big number. And if, boy, if I ever could reach that number, that would prove that I really was, you know, you know wasn't a loser. And, and literally the first thought that I had when, when we hit that number was, oh, I guess losers can create that number. And I did at least find it funny. I'll give myself that. <laughs> but I had really thought, no, no, no. Once I hit that amount of money, I won't be a loser anymore. And I was like, oh, no, apparently not. I mean, I, I, w w I, one of my favorite stories, probably because I get to name drop, uh, but I, I had a chance to, to work with Gary Shandling, who in America was a huge comedian and a, a great guy. And at one point, jokingly, when we were working together, I said to him, I'm, I'm sorry, Gary, am I not praising you enough? Because he was having a bit of a reaction to what I was saying. And, and he kind of looked a little offended for a second, and then he laughed, and he said, oh, don't worry about it, it's a black hole. Now, here was one of the most successful, brilliant comedians in the world. And in many ways, he had the self-esteem of a gnat. Like he, 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 he really had a low opinion of himself, but he didn't take it seriously enough to let it stop the creative flow. He didn't take it to heart. He didn't even use it as motivation from what I can tell. He just was like, yeah, that's, that's how I am. And then he went out and created and he was brilliant. And, and so we, we overvalue our opinion of ourselves. And we undervalue what is already natural in us. And if we can reverse that and stop worrying so much about what we think and, and really start to see, oh my God, there, there is a miracle happening inside me on an ongoing basis called thought.
And if I open up to it and allow it, it will bring so much cool shit into the world. That's what it is from my point of view to live a creative life. And what form that takes is what form it takes. It can be, it, it can be purely expressed in parenting. It can be purely expressed in, in real estate. It can be purely expressed in an art studio. There's no context in which it is not relevant and it is not present. But, you know, we get some ideas in our heads sometimes. Yeah, I think I've run out of questions. <laughs> that's, that's cool. That's, that's, that's kind of the fun of it. Okay, so this seems like a natural place to end. Uh, I love that conversation. Thank you, Michael. A pleasure.